0: Now, the Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe, your host here every week. And here we bring you tips, education, and updates on home related matters. Whether you are in the real estate market or if you're just looking for decorating or improvement ideas, things to do around your home. This is a great place to be. Our show comes to you with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole home show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. It's been my pleasure being your host here every week for the past six years. I have been uh, enjoying my time here with you, our loyal CFAX listeners on the weekends I know you listen to our podcasts as well too because of course we podcast all these episodes and if you haven't done so already you can find us all six years and 300 episodes worth on iTunes or Google or wherever you find your favorite podcasts you can even uh, uh, like them in your car it's amazing how our navigation systems today also have podcast capabilities so um, it's been my pleasure being here but this isn't my day job my day job is actually helping people with their real estate needs and I've been doing so since 1991 over 30 years I've seen a lot of changes here in our town of Victoria in fact I wrote a little blog just uh, earlier today talking about the population my goodness we have uh, grown from about 275,000 when I started in this business to over 400,000 now but in any event if you are thinking of maybe doing something in the new year is a real estate move in your future if you need to chat about this you want to learn more about the market if you need some statistics data information as you know we share this with you on the radio on a regular basis I'd be happy to do that with you in person depending on your needs and requirements reach out to me uh, or any of the the other Whole Home Show team members. You can find our contact information by visiting cfax1070.com. Look under Shows. There you'll find us, the Whole Home Show, with me, Tony Joe. All of our contact information is there, or just reach out to me. I love chatting with our loyal CFAX listeners every week. Now this week we're going to be having a update on legal matters. It's always interesting, kind of recapping the last 12 months in matters regarding real estate and law and who better to ask than our show partner and supporter, Gurpreet Randhawa from the Sitka Law Group. She's going to be here chatting about a number of things. Uh, It's been a pretty hefty year. 2023 was a hefty year as far as regulatory changes. So I have no doubt we're going to be talking about things like um, foreign buyer ban, uh, the right of rescission, uh, land order transparency, bare land Trust, um, all that all of those fun things. My goodness, whoever thought that they would be fun, but I guess they kind of are. Grapreet makes it fun though, and she'll be answering a whole bunch of questions that uh, you may have regarding these items. So she'll be with us after the first break. We always, of course, start with having a conversation about what's going on out there. What are things that have popped up? You send me questions, and that is great. Uh, I often get messages from CFAX listeners asking about certain aspects of real estate. And of course, one of the reasons why we're here to answer those questions for you. Now, something has come up in the past week about searching for properties on the MLS system. I wanna give you a quick little recap here though, folks. You know, when you're visiting realtor.ca online, uh, that is a fantastic resource. It's the most visited real estate website in Canada. It is, by the way, not the actual MLS system, and I, I think you know that, multiple listing system, that is, uh, you know that because, of course, it doesn't have full data. It doesn't have all of the aspects of information, and you might ask yourself, well, why is that? You know, is the real estate industry uh, withholding information? You know, why, why Why is that? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons, not the least of which is uh, There are privacy matters, of course, that uh, people are often very concerned about, Uh, plus the fact that the real estate community collects this data. You know, you may think that this data is free, um, but it's not. It comes through the real estate community. I have said uh, this many times, even recently uh, on the program here, the information that appraisers get for the bank to assess properties comes from the real estate community. The British Columbia Assessment Authority, you want to know where they get their sales data? Data, It comes from the real estate community. So the real estate community holds this very crucial database of information. We have rules and regulations that we as licensees, as as Um, real estate salespeople licensed in the province of British Columbia are concerned with the information. The information has to be legitimate. It has to be like we can't fudge numbers and say that your neighbor's house sold for 1.5 when it only sold for 1 million. We are not permitted to do that. There are repercussions that can happen. The other parts of data as well too is the correctness of the information. Uh, uh room measurements or me- square footage measurements of houses this comes into question every once in a while because in the past, what would happen is agents would maybe save themselves the expenses of not getting a property physically measured out. And all they do is they copy and paste the information from a prior listing. Um, That is, and by the way, I know licensees, realtors listen to this program all the time. You guys know this, that is incorrect. You cannot rely on somebody else's data. When we post a property on the MLS system, we must answer for the information that is there. So is it correctly a five bedroom house or is it a three bedroom with two closets? I don't know, right? Um, so the data is very important. Now, the there are fields that we use that we can search uh, for properties. Obviously we can search price ranges. We can search areas, map areas. We can search uh, square footage size, lot size, number of bedrooms. We can search all of those things and it's done through a data field which is in the mls system but there's things that we cannot search so uh i heard recently of somebody every once in a while a buyer will say i want a family friendly neighborhood i want a peaceful backyard where neighbors can't uh look in i want you know a specific orientation and no trees in the southern boundary Well, folks, obviously, we're not able to search for those things. Those are aspects that you need to physically actually go and visit the property to ascertain. Now, often realtors are previewing properties for their clients. We do this a lot, where if we're in the neighborhood or something pops up and needs quick attention, we'll go and have a look and we'll report back to our client. Um, But there are many things that we just cannot search for I want to go through a quick list of things that we can search for I'm actually looking at the MLS system right now Um, I mentioned things like map area uh, things like sub areas we have and by the way the sub areas folks are all from the real estate board they are not in alignment with the municipalities the real estate board determined these years ago Um, so if you have questions about what boundary is Fairfield East and Fairfield West that's a common question that comes up Ask your agent, your agent should have that answer. So um, other aspects. So legal aspects. We, uh, of course, plug in to the British Columbia Assessment Authority. Remember, as I just said a moment ago, we share the data with them. All right. We don't get the data from them. No, 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 no. They get it from us. Right. So we are able to search things like legal descriptions. Uh, We are not to misuse the data. So we cannot use assessment information to do things like try to meet new clients. That is against our rules and regulations. But we can search for other things. For instance, if the house is a suite. We can search for existing uh, or potential additional accommodation. We can search for exposure: is it south facing, west facing, is it southwest facing? Uh, We can search for age, like age ranges of the property: was it built between 1940 and 1980, or was it built between 2000 and newer? A number of things: lot size, I mentioned already. Uh, We can look at things like parking: do you need a double garage? Do you need a, 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 a parking for an RV? Uh, how many parking stalls are included if it's a strata. If it's a condo unit, we can search for those things. Um, other things that we look at types of heating, types of cooling. Um, we can look at specific configurations. Is it a one level home? Is it a house with a basement? Is it a walkout basement with windows? Uh, there's a number of things that we can search for, but we can't search for those emotional ones. You know, the I want a house that has a nice family feel. Well, no, that we can't. You got to go in there and have a look. But in any event, I just wanted to, again, have a refresher about the importance of the MLS system. Uh, it is there accessible by all the realtors in Greater Victoria. The information that is provided on realtor.ca is what the real estate board is allowed to put on there. So, you know, we may want to put more on, but it is the Canadian Real Estate Association that administers that. Uh, anyways, going to take our break here. We'll come back in a moment with Gurpreet Randawa. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Always interesting reflecting back into the year because here we are. We are uh, at about the end of 2023 or early 2024, depending on when you're listening to this year. And there's been a lot of things that have happened in the world of real estate this year. I wrote a blog earlier this year and we've talked about it on this program for quite a bit about the fact that uh, I, for one, have never seen so many changes in the real estate uh, end of things and on the legal side of things as well, too. 2023 was just one of those years. I think we'll remember for a long time about holy cow, a lot of stuff happened and what better person to have to chat with about the legal aspects than our show partner supporter and sponsor from the Sitka Law Group Gurpreet Randawa. Gurpreet is one of the principals and it is a fine a fantastic law firm in Victoria suburban law firm not downtown well located lots of parking I know that one Gurpreet great having you here today
1: thanks for having me Tony.
0: Uh, uh, we were talking just before I hit the record button here. Um, you guys too, right? 2023 has just been one of those years.
1: It's been one of those years, lots of changes. Um, but I also feel like this year just is a blur. I can't believe we're already at the end of the year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, for many, like when you look at the statistics, so statistically sales are down, you know, we're not at the pace that things were at when it was the crazy marketplace. Prices aren't going up anymore. In some respects, they're softening a bit. They're not, they're not diving into the ground though. So, you know, don't mm-hmm. jump to conclusions there, but for, for many day to day, it felt a little slower yet. On the other hand, I'm with you because here we are right now at the end of the year, it's like, holy cow, what happened?
1: Absolutely.
0: yeah (laughs) yeah um but i I, you know i want to have this conversation with you from the from the law industry standpoint let's uh uh, turn the dial back to january 2023 um Mm -hmm. it it seems to me that a lot of these legislative changes that happen happen with with little or no notice
1: Mm -hmm. which seems to be kind of the general norm when it comes to a lot of the changes we're faced with um we don't have much time to To navigate the new rules or figure things out. We just need to comply with the new rules and regulations that are in place at the time.
0: Yeah, and, you know, even other things too, like grandfathering, where, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people who had, and maybe we'll get to this later, you know, with mm-hmm. the changes in short-term vacation rental stuff and everything, mm-hmm. and how people are, they're not grandfathered right now. The government mm-hmm. just said, stop, boom, there we go. And here we are, right?
1: Exactly, and that's exactly what happened with the foreign buyer ban too,
0: well, let's start with that one because exactly. that was the beginning yeah. of the year, right?
1: Exactly. Way yeah. back in January.
0: <laughs> Way back in January. So, explain <laughs> to our listeners about the foreign buyer bet.
1: Yeah. So, last year, um, well, a couple of years ago, uh, we were introduced with a foreign buyer tax. So, um, any purchaser of a property in BC pays property transfer tax, it's for a uh, percentage of the value of the property. Um, unless you qualify for an exemption and uh, the government introduced the foreign buyer uh, tax or additional property transfer tax, which was in addition to that regular tax you pay, if you were not a Canadian citizen Mm -hmm. or permanent resident or a confirmed provincial
0: nominee. Okay.
1: That was back last year. And then in January of this year, uh, uh, the federal government actually introduced a foreign buyer ban across Canada.
0: Yeah. A ban. So no, no purchases, Of residential properties by uh, foreign entities.
1: Exactly, or individuals. So if you're not a Canadian citizen, permanent resident, you don't qualify for one of the other exemptions, you're not part of one of the other exempt classes, then um, you're not allowed to buy property at all. Whether you pay the tax or not, it's just no longer permitted.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Just to go back about that tax uh, for our listeners, I know we've covered this before over over the year, but the foreign buyer tax is twenty percent, right? And I, substantial, yeah, I remember asking you this question before. you've actually collected that not often, but yeah. your office has collected that before, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. yeah, and it is substantial, like, let's use the example of a five hundred thousand dollar property, which good luck finding now., yeah. um, but you have your regular property transfer tax, and then on top of that, a hundred thousand dollars, yes, and foreign buyer tax,
0: yeah and so of course it is and of course the biggest concern for consumers is to make sure they know this before they commit to buying something right?
1: absolutely and even with the introduction of the ban i did receive a few calls throughout the the year from foreign buyers who wanted to inquire uh with, about the process to buy property who weren't even aware of the ban yeah um so i mean in theory it's still possible for them to buy if they slip through the cracks and perhaps mm-hmm. you know paperwork's not completed. Correctly, which would flag this issue. Um, but if they are able to buy, the government can essentially require them to sell. Um, so, so uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. you can't really no, but, buyer.
0: no, but there, there are there are small little cracks that um, people can slip into. For instance, if they are um, they're on a work uh, visa or something, right? Yeah. Or or undergoing the uh, PR, the permanent residence process, mm-hmm. right? for uh,
1: nominee. Um, the the uh, federal regulations do set out various um, exemptions. Yep. Um, so if you are a foreign buyer, do get legal advice on whether you qualify for one of those exemptions um, to determine if you're able to purchase. Mm-hmm. And, and if you are able to purchase, remember, you still may have to budget for foreign <laughs> buyer tax.
0: Yes. All right. I, ha- I, I experienced exactly this. Well, we had somebody, who was able to determine because of their their work visa and their arrangements and everything they did get legal uh, advice and they were able to determine that the federal government would allow them to buy but we also confirmed that the foreign buyer tax still remained, and those were people looking at one and a half million dollars so that's a lot of money that's
1: a lot of money exactly that's cost prohibitive for most so
0: yeah and it's money that never comes back i mean it's not like it's not like the withholding um uh when there is a withholding provision where a uh non-residents um, funds get withheld when they sell. yeah because yeah. you generally get some of that back when taxes yeah. are paid and all that but exactly. uh not not in this case here right no
1: no it's oh. just like property transfer tax once you pay it it's gone
0: okay so beware folks uh i was telling you capreet as well before we uh, hit the record button i had a phone call yesterday from somebody Mm -hmm. from the dominican republic who wanted to buy a property here in victoria and i told them about the both the federal and provincial uh the ban and the uh, restriction and and they had no idea yeah yeah um now that being said, folks, uh, we've brought this up before as well, too. You know, this whole notion of banning foreign buyers was meant to stop the runaway escalation of prices. Funny thing is, in 2023, even though this has existed, uh, it has done nothing to affordability because prices have not dropped in the hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's a reminder, too, about the fact that the influence of foreign buyers is less than I think people expect it to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Grafreet, because your office, when you're handling the the, uh, conveyancing, the closing, you're Mm -hmm. not dealing with a lot of of foreigners anyways.
1: Very small percentage at our office. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's a big one. And that was um, both January 1st for the federal ban. And by the way, Mm -hmm. they, have they changed? Because they said back then it was going to be a two-year ban. Uh, and they might review re- re- uh whatever review it. Uh, I think it's the same. It hasn't changed, right?
1: I ha- not that I'm aware. Um, okay. so it may be two years. It may be longer. Yeah. Um, haven't heard anything yet.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing as well is this whole rescission period. So mm-hmm. this came in also earlier this year. Um, yeah. let's do a review for our listeners about what that is.
1: Absolutely. So we were seeing a lot of unconditional. Um, offers being made and accepted during the peak of the market. Um, Last year, many were not doing their due diligence, were not having inspections done, reviewing title, because they just wanted to be able to buy a property. Um, And an unconditional contract is essentially one where you're required to complete, notwithstanding what you might discover after your offer is accepted. Um, So if you discover damage or issues, it's buyer beware, you assume that risk. Um, and then earlier this year, a mandatory three-day rescission period was introduced um, for buyers. Um, and so now buyers are entitled to three days to conduct their due diligence, notwithstanding the fact that their offer may not contain subject conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, that is a quick turnaround, but there is some time built in now for you to be able to review titles, see if you're able to arrange inspections. Yeah. Confirmed you're going
0: to be able to get insurance. Listen, hold that thought because we got to take our break here. We're talking with Gurpreet from the Sitka Law Group about the rescission period, but I want to make sure we dig deeper. Need to take our break? We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. J.P. Sellers, Insurance Advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Bove. If you need help with direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole home show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. As a reminder, you can find their contact information and mine by visiting cfax1070.com, look under Shows, there you'll find us the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. All of their contact information is there, or you can always reach out to me as well, too, because I love hearing from you every week. Uh, also, as a reminder, if you're a podcast listener, you can download all of our 300 episodes over the last six years by visiting, uh, by going to iTunes or Google, uh, or even in your car, because nowadays, of course, uh, all of our cars have. It was seemingly podcast capabilities. I know I have it in my Tesla. I know I have it in my Volvo. <laughs> you can actually listen to anything you want, not just the whole home show. Hopefully you're listening to other good stuff, but oh, lots of great stuff here as well too. Having a chat with Gurpreet Rendawa. She is um, a principal and partner at the Sitka Law Group, also one of our show partners and supporters. Uh, Gripreet, again, thanks for coming and joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Tony.
0: Uh, before the break i i had to cut you off there for time but we were having a chat about the buyer rescission period and what you had mentioned was it came in and it enables a buyer to conduct due diligence for th- basically three business days
1: yes exactly um so this is a mandatory period uh, that buyers are entitled to um they have also contemplated some remedy for sellers if you know, a buyer is not, you know, using that that three-day period um, in good faith. So um, buyers are required to to pay a rescission amount, 0.25% of the purchase price, um, if after conducting their due diligence during those three days, they decide not to move forward.
0: Within that three-day period. Exactly. So, yeah. So if it's a million-dollar uh, purchase price, for instance, is $2,500. Yeah. And of course, the purpose to that is to prevent Uh, a buyer from writing five or 10 offers on a whole bunch of different properties and then rescinding nine of them and just sticking to the one. 'Cause that would have created uh, you know, even further sort of auction uh um uh bidding war process unnecessarily. You know, buyers should make up their mind on which house they wanna buy before they make an offer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the rescission period, yeah, very, very interesting. From our standpoint, by the way, from the real estate standpoint, uh it's our job. We gotta do the math. So we gotta determine the three business days, gotta make sure that it's not weekends, there's no holidays. Um, something that people often forget about too is uh it's it's three full days so technically I guess it's eleven 59 p.m on the last day
1: mm-hmm. yeah exactly three full business days um but don't quote me that on the the interpretation act might have a specific time yeah. unless the contract specifies you know eleven fifty nine on the third day yeah um but it is three full business days
0: and it's yeah. not it's not waivable so the parties can't mm-hmm. by their own choice, waive this right this is a provincial legislation it is required
1: yes yeah exactly but i have to say i am still i am now seeing um most offers with buyers conditions Mm. even though there's this mandatory rescission period most Mm -hmm. of the offers i see now do have subject conditions um so i'm finding those unconditional offers i was seeing more of during the peak of the market but most people now are taking the time to do their due diligence
0: i'm gonna say for me i think it's been oh my goodness it's probably been about three months since i've seen a unconditional offer written now they still happen you still have you still have the bidding wars and you know when the property is right um but that is opposite to the time where everything was right exactly yeah so in some respects that this rescission right would have been more handy back then when, when that was so. going on. I
1: yeah. think so, yeah. yeah. But it is good to have now in any event. Um, mm-hmm. But I am seeing more and more buyers conditions and offers now.
0: Um, and another interesting thing, I now this is a few months ago now, I was teaching a class at the Real Estate Board and I actually posed the question to all 80 attendees, how many people, how many agents had actually had a buyer rescind their contract and pay the rescission um, fee? Mm-hmm. And there was only one hand out of 80 that yeah. raised so it's it's a feature that's not, it's seemingly not very often used yeah 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 that
1: that's my experience as well
0: yeah interesting yeah. interesting yeah. okay um something else that of course has come up with legislation is uh well you know we can talk about things like the uh the the homes program, you know, the provincial government is uh, making movements towards uh, having more home star- starts, more rental properties. Um, yeah. if there's big wholesale changes out there. We had mm-hmm. Minister Robbie Kalon on uh, way back, actually the day after he got his job, and he was talking to us about things here on the whole home show. Um, of course, uh, one of the biggest things is this whole notion of the deletion of short-term vacation rentals coming up.
1: Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah, and I think that goes into effect next May. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, and this is an interesting one because, uh, you know, I mean, I'm in the real estate side; I'm not on the legal side. It, it just it seems just seems awfully odd that mm-hmm. the government is able to enact this on people who legally purchased and the and the the usage was correct and the bylaws were correct and the strata laws bylaws were correct everything. Was correct, and then suddenly the government says, "No, we don't want this anymore." So mm-hmm. you got to stop doing that. There are businesses that will be out of business as of May because all they did was manage uh, vacation rentals.
1: Absolutely, and we're seeing, you know, stories of of retirees who who purchased a property to run as a short term rental um, on the basis that that income would would be their retirement income, mm-hmm. and that's now changed. And you know, it seems that this is the case with many of the rules, like even the foreign buyer ban. You know, it was, uh, even if you had entered into a contract, it was in effect of of January of
0: this year. As opposed to, yeah, grandfathering period or something. Yeah. Wow. They mean business.
1: Yeah. And that was the same with the additional property transfer tax, the foreign buyer tax. That was also in effect as of a certain date, no grandfathering. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the other thing about the uh, short-term vacation rental thing, uh, we talked about this with the gang at Grant Thornton a couple of weeks ago. Uh, about the applicability of GST, because when somebody is selling their previously uh, uh, used as short-term vacation rental unit and some business, it's a a change in business status. And as a result, it's not a residential purchase and there's GST. And it's typically the buyer that's responsible for that. So, um, you know, something to consider there. Uh, I am seeing... Yeah, and I'm yeah, seeing a-
1: if more and more of these. Sorry to interrupt. If more and more of these short-term rental units are coming up for sale because yeah. owners are not able to to manage them anymore, you want to ensure as a buyer that you cover off GST in your contract.
0: And I have been seeing a lot more of that. So it seems yeah. like it seems like the boilerplate the 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 contracts nowadays are all coming in. Purchase price includes GST. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, But you do want to know, you know, as a buyer and a seller, if it is going to be applicable, even though you've covered it off in the contract, because if you're not aware and your lender didn't approve you on the basis of GST also being factored into the price, it might change financing for you. So it is good to include that wording for sure, but also determine whether or not it is going to be applicable before you finalize your financing.
0: Yeah. And the the reminder that the team from Grant Thornton uh, told us as well, too, is that that the rule of thumb is that everything is GST, uh, um, GST applies, yeah. with the exception of exemptions such as resale uh, residential exactly. property. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, oh, my goodness. So much stuff to know here, <laughs> right? Garpree, um, remind the listeners here, where can they find you?
1: Um, they can find us on our website, sicklaw.ca, or one of our social media platforms, um, or phone, 778-265-2677.
0: I mentioned before, a suburban law office, very handy. It means not having to go downtown and find parking and all that kind of stuff. You guys are located on the corner of Cedar Hill Crossroad and Shelbourne. Uh, very convenient. That's very yeah. nice. Yes. Um, and you guys handle um, you guys handle everything except for litigation, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Exactly. We do handle some personal injury litigation, but that's the extent of our litigation practice
0: fantastic but the main thing is you guys do a lot of real estate law so listen folks if you have any questions or need some help on the side of uh real estate legal aspects make sure you reach out to your and her team at the sitka law group we need to take our last break of the day when we come back we're gonna be having a chat about things like estates and bear trusts and putting your kids names on title i'm gonna be looking forward to this we'll be back in just a moment now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Uh, I am recording this right now at the end of the year. This might, in fact, be our last episode for 2023. Uh, uh, and uh, whether you're listening to this by, by the end of the year or early next year, season's greetings, folks. Merry Christmas. Hope you all are enjoying some family time together and you've had a fantastic 2023. And of course, we're all looking forward to a great 2024 And I also want to thank you uh, both on my part and also for our show supporters that have been with us since day one. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to our program. I mean, we hear from you on a weekly basis. I know, I hear that you you, uh, learn so much and you hear so much that you never knew about before regarding uh, real estate or legal aspects or inspections or uh, home insurance or mortgage stuff and everything. That's the reason why we're here. We love doing this. I have been telling people for years, uh, because you know, this isn't my job. This isn't my main job. My main job is helping people actually buy or sell real estate. Uh, This is my fun little side job. It's not really a job. Because you know what? I'm going to do this, folks, for as long as it doesn't feel like a job, as long as we're having fun. And it's always great to have guests like Gurpreet on here, because I know, Gurpreet, you have fun when you're here as well, too right? I do,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is because, you know what, you're speaking to an audience who, um, you know, a wonderful audience who enjoys what it is we bring to them on a regular basis and have done so for six years and and 300 episodes. So, Uh, but it's always great to have you here, uh, Capri. We have been talking about a lot of stuff so far, talking about all the changes that happened in the legal realm in 2023, talked about the foreign buyer ban, foreign buyer tax, rescission uh, right on uh, purchase contracts we talked about the banning of short-term vacation rentals man there's so much to talk Mm -hmm. about um Mm -hmm. something that we do want to talk about right now because you brought it up to me during a break um Mm -hmm. bear trust so Mm -hmm. something that commonly happens i guess is when somebody owns a house we're not talking selling by the way here folks Mm -hmm. We're, we're talking if you own your house and you've had the idea that maybe i should stick the names of one or or a couple of my kids on title. Actually, let's just bring it back a little bit. Grapreet, I know you deal with this all the time. Why do people do that?
1: To avoid probate. (laughs) Okay. Um, So that's a question we receive quite often from our state planning clients is, how can I get around probate? Can't I just add my children to title to my property? Um, And the short answer is, yes, that is a way to avoid probate, but it also comes with many risks and now new reporting requirements. Um, oh, oh, before
0: actually, before you get with that though, um, avoiding probate. Now we're talking the probate uh, uh, tax mm-hmm. fees, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and
0: what are they again?
1: Yeah, so in BC, if you pass away with assets in your sole name that exceed twenty five thousand, other than registered investments with designated beneficiaries, uh, probate fees are payable on those assets, and currently those are about one point four percent of the gross value of your estate.
0: Okay. Um, all right, well let's do some math there. So in other words, if it's a, if you got a million dollars on your estate, that's mm-hmm.
1: $14,000. Exactly. Okay. Which in, in the big picture, um, nobody wants to pay the this fee. I, I completely appreciate that and understand that, but, but do you really want to give up control over your property to, you know, save on the probate fees and all the other risks that come with that? You know, that's a, a conversation I have with my clients. Is it really worth it?
0: Okay, so let's um, say yeah. let's say a parent puts the you know puts a son's name on title, and the way that they are uh, avoiding is a bad word. Let's not use the word avoid, but the the way to get past the probate uh, fee is on the passing of the parent, it goes into the name of the beneficiary and and there is no uh, that's how it works, right?
1: Well, exactly. So probate is only triggered if an asset's in your sole name. Okay. right so by making an asset joint okay. with a child yep. so registering title is joint tenants not as tenants as common yep. remember joint tenancy comes with the right of survivorship so if one of those joint owners passes away deceased owners interest falls automatically to surviving owner okay and oh. therefore no probate
0: but your concern is what happens if the child does something silly
1: um yes or you know if 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 they're self-employed and and they're being sued or or separating from a partner who's claiming an interest, Um, potentially tainting parents' capital gains exemption for principal residence. Um, So, I mean, anytime clients bring up the question, I discuss all these risks with them. Um, And then something new that's been introduced this year is the requirement to file a trust return. Or these bear trust arrangements even though there's no financial benefit okay um, and that was introduced earlier this year
0: yeah so a bear trust arrangement this is what we're talking about here
1: exactly so if you're adding your child to title something that we would want to put in place to protect parent is a bear trust which essentially is an agreement between parent and child that says parent has only you know added child to legal title to for estate planning purposes um, parent retains beneficial ownership during life. And parents' beneficial ownership really only is to pass to child upon death. That's essentially what a bear trust agreement is. Okay. Um, That's meant to protect parent. Um, And and in most cases, there's automatically kind of like a a bear trust for tax purposes in this type of context. But really, it's protection for parent. To make it clear, you know, it's really my property during my lifetime. It should only pass to child upon death, even though my child's already on title.
0: Got it. Now, when you have this bear trust in place, it requires some reporting now.
1: Exactly. So now you have to file a trust return for these bare trust arrangements, and it's it's essentially a nil tax return. But you know it's the it's the cost of having your accountant prepare it for you every year. There's penalties for failure to file. Um, so there's added costs associated with these types of arrangements now. Again, and you want to compare all that to the probate fee savings. Is it really worth it?
0: Yeah. But the other thing that you haven't brought up yet, though, is the underused uh, housing tax.
1: Exactly. So that was another thing that was introduced earlier this year. Okay. And these bear trust arrangements are caught by that, the underused housing tax. Um, you do need to file a declaration, an underused housing tax declaration in order to claim the exemption for that tax. Yep. But that's also an added filing <laughs> that must occur with these bear trust arrangements now.
0: Yeah, I hear people scrambling for their pens and paper, kind of jotting down all this stuff right now. This is we're we're getting into complicated territory here, uh, for sure. What is what was what was the whole point of the underused housing tax? Who knows?
1: Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I'm sure it's it's a part of you know preventing vacancy and creating housing, and ensuring housing is being used. Yeah. Um, but then there's all these other situations where you know maybe the intention wasn't to to capture these types of arrangements but they are captured and now there's this onus yeah. on people who are in these arrangements to to make all the necessary filings and and returns
0: <laughs> okay okay um kind of related to this um but ye- another thing for reporting is um source of funds when people come yeah. in with money so what do you guys have to do about that now
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think it was last year now or potentially the previous year, the Law Society introduced uh, rules for lawyers um, to verify the source of funds when we're receiving funds from clients. So for purchase transactions, for example, um, you have to go through all the FinTrack requirements with your bank, with your realtor. But now your lawyer also has a legal obligation to inquire as to the source of the funds. Where did the money come from?
0: Yeah. Um, So so for, for our listeners, for instance, if you're buying a million dollar house, and you're getting a mortgage for $700,000, you're coming up with the other $300,000. So you're bringing in a check for $300,000 to you, to the SICLA law group. Uh, and what you're saying is now you need to verify where that money came from.
1: Exactly. And, and most clients aren't used to having to disclose that information to their lawyers when they're buying. Yep. Um, but that is also now you know, another question we need to ask um, as part of the process.
0: Yeah, now and, and of course, what the what the government wants to know is, was it a gift? You know, or did it come from another person? Is there a third party? Uh, was it city. Is in your there bank any money account? laundering? Exactly. Okay. What's the typical answer, by the way, when when you ask that question?
1: I do get some jokes, which I don't appreciate because then I have to <laughs> ask questions. Okay. Um, but most people will say from savings. Yep. Um, from my employment. sometimes it's a gift from parents or relatives and inheritance those are probably the typical answers
0: okay um i suppose it could get to the point where cra or the guy or Fintrack might want to add and by the way this is the money laundering uh this is the proceeds of crime money laundering and finance terrorist act it's a long Mm -hmm. one um But it could get to the point where they may need to ask for verification. If you say that it's been sitting in your bank account for a while, they're going to want to see that. They're going to ask for your statements for five years or whatever it is, right?
1: Um, it, typically, your bank will. Um, yep. And at our level, it's more just asking questions mm-hmm. and then determining whether we do want to you know, see additional statements if there's any red flags. Yeah. Um, so your lawyer might not necessarily ask you for all of that evidence unless there's reason to do so. But um, I know that it's definitely um, more a requirement when you're trying to get your mortgage approval as well, especially if they want to verify that your down payment is actually sitting in a bank.
0: For sure. The the other thing, too, is that um, I guess the presumption is that the banks would have asked this money if you're putting big deposits in uh, the bank also has a FinTrack requirements. Mm Yeah, yeah, to verify. Now, folks, you might be wondering, you know, the real estate community, we have had to do all this identification since 2008. It actually was before the the legal uh, uh, community. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We had to do it first. I know because I was there in Ottawa when they uh, when they passed this. And it's interesting because the the realtors, the real estate brokerages, we actually don't handle the money. The only money that we handle is the deposit.
1: Deposit, exactly. Yeah,
0: and then the deposit ultimately goes to you, uh, the, the conveyance, you know, the lawyer at the time of closing, and then you collect the rest of the money. Um, but I guess what we're saying here is, it's just yet more reporting, more paperwork.
1: More reporting, more questions which yeah. I appreciate can be very frustrating for, for buyers. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately we have no choice.
0: Well, you know, what I always say to folks is, you know, we're asking you these questions because we want to make sure you're not a money launderer or a terrorist. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and most of the time it's a laugh because yeah, people, I think people understand. Because they have, you know, we, uh, we ID them, you ID them, the banks ID them when uh, somebody's opening up an account or, you know, working with a financial advisor, there's ID when you're buying a car, you know, there's ID and all that. So that's just where we are right now. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. Uh, Do you think 2024 is going to be as exciting?
1: (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) I haven't heard of any any uh, changes that are coming that we ha- that haven't already been announced. Yep. Um, so so we'll wait and see, I guess.
0: Well, one thing that I think we've learned is that uh, both of our communities are highly adaptable. Because if we've been able to put up with this stuff in twenty twenty three, I think we're going to be okay moving forward.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely You're- adapt. Uh, I, I I would just say you know, please be patient with us as we navigate the changing rules. Yeah. Um, but most people are.
0: For sure. Grafri, thanks for joining us again today. Always great to have you here.
1: Thanks, Tony, for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, and uh, to our listeners again, happy Christmas season, happy new year, all of those things. Thanks for continuing listening to us. We will always be here for you and uh, we will be here for you this time next week.